I've noticed over the last several weeks this epiphany that I think I have before, but I don't think it was as clear as it is right now. And it's this, that during Christmas season, because do y'all know we change during the seasons whether we know it or not? Do y'all understand that the, as, the, as the times change and as the seasons change, we feel differently? We feel something in the spring because it's getting warmer. We feel something in the fall because we like the leaves and we like football and we like different stuff. And, and, and in the summertime, we like to go to the beach or we like to do whatever, and it feels good that it's warm outside. But when it gets cold outside, we have a little break because we have Christmas. And some people really like Christmas, but then Christmas ends. And we got the New Year, and we, we do New Year's resolutions. And some of y'all are like me, and that lasts for about 10 days, and then we just move on to the next. But then February comes. Singles Awareness Day happens, that is today, if y'all don't know it. Valentine's is what I called it growing up. And we get, we get a little bit caught up because we don't know what to do with it because here's the reality of where we are right now. We are one year into COVID. A year. Next month. It is cold. Matter of fact, it's cold, cold. What's colder than cold? Oh, come on, somebody. There we go. That's what it is. I mean, it's like 38 degrees and raining, and last week was snowing, and help us, Jesus. And, and we begin to feel this, I'm ready to feel new, spring, blossom, good, but right now I don't. And I call it this, I, the winter things happen, and it, it tends to be, this is not just for me, but I've recognized it in myself, that we, that we feel a funk-type season. Do you all know what I'm talking about? If you do, say yes, yeah. right? And we'll start blaming it on everything but ourselves because <laughs> that's, that's just what you do. You just start going, well, here's why I'm feeling the way that I'm feeling, not realizing that it's seasonal and not realizing that a lot of it has to do with Mark as far as my life goes because I like to blame other people for my problems. It's your fault, what I'm dealing with, not mine. So what I want to preach to you today is the law of harvest, but specifically in dealing with relationships. But I could change this title to two different things. Face the funk and get rid of it, right? Getting rid of that junk on a nasty dunk. No, that's not it. That's not it at all. But facing my own junk, facing my funks that I get myself in. And number two, the other alternative thing is this, and this is probably the most important one. I love to talk about culture. I love to talk about creating culture, leadership culture, how it happens. I love to see coaches or great leaders that are awesome culture creators. And I love to talk about it, and I've talked to many of y'all in this room privately and in groups about how important that is, and it's everything. The problem is I love to talk about it, but I don't always like to be about it. I don't always like to do it because I want to wave a wand and sometimes if we can just take an inventory of our lives and look at it, we'll realize we're actually living in what we created ourselves. So I want to I begin from the very beginning. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and 27, God, with a counsel with himself, says, let, I tell you what we'll do, me, myself, and I, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, let's, let's make man in our image. And then verse 27 says, he made man in his image. That is before Adam. That is, that is his plan. He reveals to us what his plan was going to be. And then verse 28 says, And God blessed mankind and said, Let them be fruitful. Someone say fruitful. Say it loud. Say fruitful. Let them be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air 
earth, it says the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth, you are supposed to, and I am supposed to have dominion. We are supposed to rule with our mouths. God, God made you, created you, I should say, in Christ Jesus to operate the same way he operates. You are not God, I am not God, but we are a picture, just like earth is a picture of heaven, we are a little picture of what he is. And when we operate the right way, we can understand that that's what we're supposed to do. So this is the deal. God made you. God made you. Your original intent is not that you create things, men, with your hands or ladies with your hands. It's not that we can form things and we're awesome. But the original intent is that by our mouths, by our mouths, we can operate and create. Now listen. I know things are different than they were in the Garden of Eden, but, but the intent is that, it can, that we can operate. Someone say operate. operate. The same way. We can operate the same way. So now taking an inventory of what I'm talking about when it comes to culture, I don't love this part because I'm talking about me. I don't love the fact that when I look at my life and what the culture is that I'm having to live with, it is most of the time the vast majority of what I'm in is what I've created with my mouth, with my life. And if I don't like the culture, guess who's responsible and, and has the opportunity to change it? Me. I do. I'm responsible. So no matter how much I look out at you and say, well, if the Hortons, well, if Zach, well, if you, I've missed the point. So watch this. I'm going to show you a few things. Proverbs chapter 18, sorry I put the wrong thing at the bottom, but it's Proverbs chapter 18 starting in verse 20. It says the fruit, someone say fruit. Fruitfulness is the first thing that God called us to. Be fruitful and multiply. It is not a maybe, it is a guarantee that you are being fruitful. You just might not like the fruit that you're creating. Watch this. The fruit of a man's mouth, his stomach is satisfied by the fruit, from the fruit. He is satisfied by the yield, the harvest of his lips. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will. What's this say? Say it out loud. Eat it. They'll eat it. They'll eat it. And then I just think it's fascinating because we're not just talking about marriage, but I think this is interesting that in the same thought, he says he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. So a lot of times we find a wife, but it's not out of the overflow of the good fruit or the good seed that we're sowing. We ought to run from that one. Come on, somebody. Because how many of y'all know pretty's got to talk eventually? Or handsome's got to talk eventually? Someone say, that ain't enough. Jesus, take the wheel. It's true. It's true. It's true. But I don't want to focus on that for a second. I want to focus on this. I want to focus on the part that we don't want to focus on. And by we, I mean me, and if y'all can't track with me for a second, that's cool. You're, you're just ahead of me. But the reality is I constantly eat the fruit, constantly eat the fruit or the increase, the reward of what my mouth is sown into. So whether I like it or not, I am a sum or living in a sum of what I have sown based on my mouth most of the time. I am eating its fruit. Now watch this, Galatians 6. Some of y'all will know this. Do not be deceived. Don't be deceived. Don't be fooled. God cannot be mocked. He is not mocked. Whatever you sow, that you'll reap. Whatever someone sows, they're going to get it back. They're going to reap it. 
Some of y'all think this is karma. The reality is it ain't got nothing to do with karma. It's how God made us to operate. You might not like gravity, but if you jump off of a 10-story building right now, clack of a splat. Sometimes I dream that he is me. Got to say that's how I dream. Young people, just stay with me. Don't worry about it. This is the goat that I'm singing about, so you'll know later. Boom, 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 boom. The teams I move, things I groove, like some of y'all know who the goat is. We ain't talking about LeBron James. That's not, that's not who I'm talking about. We're talking about like Mike. If I could be like Mike. And that whole commercial was about him flying. And that dude could. It was amazing back in the day. But guess what? He still had gravity fighting against him because he, if I remember correctly, some of y'all helped me. I don't remember MJ dunking from 40 feet out. It blew people's minds when he dunked from the free throw line. And it still blows my mind that people can do that. But gravity still works. So instead of fighting it, we should work it. Learn how to work it. And this is the same principle that the law of the harvest works. And if we learn how to use it in relationships and, and how it affects our lives, we always reap what we sow. We always reap what we sow. And the, and the culture of our homes and our lives are, are the sum total of what we've sown into, period. We cannot like it. We can love it. We can hate it. We can spit on it. But the fact of the matter is that's the truth. And so we get to decide what we're going to do with it. Because if we, if, if we sow into our flesh, we'll reap flesh and corruption. But if we sow into the spirit, we'll reap eternal life. And, and let us not grow weary in doing good. For in, y'all say this? We're going to talk about that in a second. In due season, we will reap if we don't give up. So as we have an opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially those in the household of faith. I want to give y'all four simple laws today. Four simple principles. That whether you're a Christian or not, I'm telling you, these will help you. And by the way, can I just tell y'all something? Jesus said, I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So whether or not you're a Christian or not, how many of y'all know that if you have a key to the front door, you get to come in? Keys work. It's just a lot better when you have Jesus because you have life and life more abundantly. And that's the only way to have true peace and power in the Holy Spirit. But keys work. So even if you walk away and you say, I don't want to believe Jesus, I just, I just don't want to do this. If you operate in God's principles, the principles will work for you. If you don't, you can get as mad as you want to. But God is not a respecter of persons. He is a respecter of principles. And they work. So, four relational laws that I want to show you. Number one, the law of measure. Someone say measure. I want to repeat this one time before I jump in. This is about how we create the culture that we live with and how oftentimes the funk that I'm dealing with is the funk that I've created with my mouth in my life. Someone say measure. Y'all may think of all different types of things with measures, a tape measure, or all different stuff, but this is the measure that I want to show you. I had Leah get me some of our measurement, some of our spoons and bucket things and all kinds of different stuff. We have up to four cups. How many of y'all know I do not cook? Come on. But we start with a third of a tisp. Y'all remember that from the movies? I know it's a teaspoon. Don't hate on me. Third of a teaspoon. Now, I'm about to show you what Luke 6 says. 
But if you are like me, who sees what things are supposed to be because God's given you the ability to have dreams, have visions, have the idea of what something should be. You can, you can cast vision. You have leadership abilities. Therefore, it is easy for you to point out what's wrong. It's probably not easy for you, if you are like me, to do what's right. It may be easy to see all the things that need to change, but the thing that I should see the most is Mark Pangle is the one that is creating the thing that he don't like what he sees right now, so he needs to see it differently. Because if I want lots and lots and lots of honor, lots and lots and lots of love, lots and lots and lots, I need to start thinking in terms of what I'm giving and not what I'm getting. Because I create the culture that I'm living in. And it's by measure. Let me show you. Luke 6, almost fell. Luke 6. Verse 37 says, judge not and you won't be judged. Condemn not and you won't be condemned. Forgive and you'll be forgiven. Then, a verse that we love to use with money, but it works in every principle, including money, but every single thing it says give and it'll be given to you. A good measure. Someone say good measure. Say it again. Say good. It's good measure. It's the right measure. God doesn't cheat you. He doesn't trick you. It's a good measure, pressed, shaken down. If y'all remember, right when I first got back, I talked about leaves and how I was blown away how many times I could shake them and press them down, that, that, that I could get more than I could even possibly imagine the more I shook them and pressed them down. So that overflow is quite amazing when it comes to God. The problem is when I measure it out, it's not as good. Shaking, running together. It'll be put in my lap, overflow. With the measure I use it, it'll be measured back to me. Pause. I don't love this. I love it when it's coming back. I love it when I can talk about, he's bringing it back, won't he do it? I just don't love it when I look at my life and I go, I used a third of a tisp and I'm praying five gallons back. Because I know the Bible says the kingdom is like yeast or leaven and it expands. But how many of y'all know he's not talking about your love? How many of y'all know he's not talking about the grace that you give out? How many, how many of y'all know that this, that that is talking about how the gospel spreads and we need to not confuse it with my life? Because when I'm looking at my life or the culture that I've created in my life and I get mad, or this is what we do. If you're a Christian, this is, y'all can just track with me for a second. This is what I do. God, Lord Jesus, you know how much we need. So I pray. In the name of Jesus, in the powerful, mighty name of Jesus, that you'll give us blessing beyond measure. And he's like, all right, I'll do it. I'm going to do it, though, but I'm going to do it based on what my word says and not just go off the cuff because I don't go against my word. So let me see what you gave. And it drops on me. That was a third of a teaspoon of blessing, God. What? I was wanting it to rain. I need the Holy Ghost to rain down, and then I get mad at him. Why? Because God uses his principles, and I don't like how he uses I want the principles to work for all of y'all. That's fine, but not me. I'm special. I'm not supposed to get back what I put in. I'm supposed to get back what you put in. I'm supposed to get back what I need y'all to fix it because I don't like how it looks, so y'all give a different amount. Because I need everyone to give their own amount and let me just go do my own thing. And we have this misconception that I can get what I don't put in. 
that if I'm sowing discord, if I'm sowing dis- mistrust or, or lies or frustration or gossip, I get bent out of shape when I find out they're gossiping about me. Come on, I know it's quiet in here, but y'all don't talk to me. But I didn't come up with this. By the way, you got to be careful with the word judge because the Bible says it's one of our responsibilities to judge, but not the judgment that we typically do because we, we shouldn't have a predetermined outcome about someone before we find out the truth. Just because someone said it doesn't mean I know the truth. I should never believe it. I should not believe the news. <laughs> I should not believe, I don't care what channel it is either. I should not believe the Facebooks or the Twitters or the Instagrams or the TikToks or the anything else y'all do as my truth. And I shouldn't believe word of mouth. Just because someone says, I saw, I, as soon as I start saying, they sure did. There's been a couple situations that I've had to deal in recently, and the truth of the matter is I've had to say on multiple occasions, I need you to know. I only know what I know. So if you need me to say more than that, I don't know. Why? Because whatever measure I give, it'll be given back to me. It can work for my favor, and it can work against me. And when I predetermine an outcome or judgment based on another human being, I don't need to get upset when other human beings start doing that back to me. Why? Because give, and it'll be given to me, shaking, pressed down, running over. And if I don't want gossip running in my lap, I shouldn't sow into gossip. Come on. So whatever I want or believe, I'm going to say this more importantly, just for some of y'all to know why did we do the mural on the wall. We didn't just put a mural on a wall to look cool. We put it because I'm convinced to the, from the bottom of my feet to the top of my head that God has called us to reach 1% of the upstate, specifically Greenville and Spartanburg County with the gospel. So we put in the middle of the Four Points logo, Greenville and Spartanburg, and we're going to have a description of that soon that we put our four-point stance not to look cool or sound cool, but because as I've taken an inventory of my life, I've realized there's things that need to change inside the culture of our church, inside the culture of our volunteers. But it's not your fault, it's my fault, because I've not been clear. And so if I'm not clear, I need to give, and it'll be given back to me. Does that mean some people will, will let me try that again, does that mean every single person will love it? It does not. But it means we will create what we've been called to create or I can get upset that I haven't done my job. That's my two options. Give, and it'll be given to you. Now, I need you to hear this. Don't be deceived. God's not going to be mocked. Whatever I reap or whatever I sow into, I will also reap. Now, look, 2 Corinthians 9, the one, this is the point, the one that sows sparingly will reap sparingly and that sows bountifully will reap bountifully. That is the point. I reap how much? Someone say how much? How much? The measure. And if I'm praying for this, I should stop. Y'all got to get this, and I'm going to hit it the last three points. But we got to stop praying for the harvest because he's the Lord of the harvest. He He will do what he said he will do. I've got to focus on the fact that God put seed in my hands. And if you don't believe you have any seed, if you have breath in your lungs and the ability to speak, you have seed. Your mouth sows every day, and you get a harvest back, and you don't like it. Change your seed, and it'll change your life, because I reap how much I sow. Number two, the law of investment. I like this one. I like this one, because Jesus said in Matthew 6, 
wherever your treasure, someone say treasure. Say it loud, say treasure. Wherever my treasure is, there my heart will be also. Treasure. In the Greek, it's the word thesaurus, not, not the words. Not the words, not the source like that in the English. But it literally means the receptacle or holder of treasure. It means the place. If you break it down even more, it means to put or to set. It's a specific idea that I set things on purpose in a specific place that I find valuable. Because the heart, and it is where we get the word heart from, cardia. But it's different than just the thing that beats. It's, it's, the, it's the place of worship. It's the thing that you find the most valuable on planet Earth. So here's what this is saying. Whatever you find most valuable, you put in your treasure chest. So this is just a money box. It's not really a safe. But some of y'all have safes in your house, right? Or you have safety deposit box at banks if you have really important things or, or documents that you don't want to lose. How many of y'all know that if I get junk mail... Y'all talk to me. If I get junk mail, how many of y'all know that I don't put that in my safe? Come on, talk back to me. Do y'all know that? But if I got important things and I want it kept safe, then I put the things I, that I find most valuable in the place that I don't think people can take it. Now watch. Here's where, this is where seed comes in. How does this have anything to do with my relationships, Mark? What does this have anything to do with what I'm sowing into? When I get frustrated with how things look in my life, what I should do is look at my treasure chest and then look at my heart and evaluate what I'm sowing into and why that is the most valuable seed. Because this is the truth of the matter. The church is called a storehouse, but then Jesus said, you're the church. You're the storehouse, and inside of me, is I, I house the Holy Spirit of God. That's awesome. He said, your body's the temple of the Holy Spirit all of that different stuff. But the reality of our lives is what I spend my time, what I give my energy to, what I put my emotion to. You say, how do you know if you're emotional about it? If it gets you off kilter and puts you in a funk because your team loses, that's where your treasure chest is gone. And I'm not, I'm not putting down anybody that's had that happen because I would be putting me down. It's, a, it's the reality. Or it can be a hobby. I jokingly said that it was golf for me. The reason it is not golf for me is because I am not good enough to let that be a treasure chest for me. <laughs> Whew. If I was real good, it might be a problem. Thank God I'm not. But it could become that. How? Because if, if, I, if, if Leah needs my time for certain reasons, because of what she's in, what she's going through, whatever, and I say, yeah, I would do that, but I got a hobby and I'm going to do that because I need to get rid of stress too. So you calm down. Don't talk me to death, woman. Right? I know y'all don't talk like this, but I'm going to do my thing. I need time with my boys. I need time with my ladies. You leave me alone, so-and-so. And then we get upset that, that they didn't like what I found the most valuable or treasure. Because the reality is if I spend the majority of my time doing something, and Jesus is just one of the things... And then my spouse, if you're married, is just one of the things. Or the, your brothers or sisters or siblings or, 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 or your family or whoever it is that you're thinking about immediately that you're estranged from right now but you don't understand how you got to that point. And the only thing that you think is all of what they're doing wrong, if you put them out of the most valuable, Jesus first, spouse second, and then on down the line, I can't get mad at what I'm reaping because I end up sowing what is most valuable. 
Because God said this, not me. I'm the Lord of the harvest. He's the supplier of the seed. And when he puts it in my hand, I decide what I do with it. And most of the time, seed, my mouth, my money, my time, I end up sowing what I love the most. And I can tell you because I'm a pastor, I love Jesus the most. But you'll know based on what, Mark? Well, Jesus said based on my fruit. You know what else he said? Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So I end up getting back whatever's most important to me. So when I sow discord or hate, it's because you've talked against my God. And I don't like what you're doing. So I end up creating a culture in my life and I receive fruit. Because watch this, you can never get fruit. I'm going to keep beating this, this drum. You can never get fruit off of seed that you don't sow. We don't have fields out there in America today and in the world today that are just randomly, if they were bare, y'all stay with me, we don't have lots of fields that were bare five years ago, and then all of a sudden, they're just full of oranges. Like, we don't know how it happened. It's the strangest darn thing. All of a sudden, just oranges started growing. No, I had to plant the oranges, right? Are y'all with me? I had to plant the apples. I had to plant whatever I wanted to grow. And so when I'm frustrated in my life, it's because I have put what's most valuable in the ground and let it have time to work. And then I don't like what I feel or what's around me, and I get in a funk because I'm eating the fruit of my life. We reap where? Someone say where. We reap where we sow. We reap what we sow. The next one, the law of return. The law of return. I don't particularly love this one because I wish it was different. I wish it was easy. But it's amazing if we can get this concept. Of all of the points, I think this is the one that I've had discussion in my office with people that need help in their relationships as much as any of the other ones. Because this is the reality. Can I just be real with y'all for a minute? If the answer is no, just keep it to yourself. And if it's yes, you can say yes. How many of y'all have heard of The Love Dare? They did a movie. It's awesome. Praise God for it. I'm not putting it down, I swear. The point is not to put it down. The point is you got to be real careful when you begin to believe that if you just add water to something. You know what I think of? If you're old enough, you might remember this. I've already done like Mike, so y'all just have to stay with me, young people. You know what I think of? I think of Chia Pets. Y'all remember that? Ch-ch-ch-chia. And then y'all add the water, and all of a sudden you got a full plant. As if that's how it works with the harvest. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. Look what Genesis 11 or Genesis 8:11 or excuse me 8:22 says, while the earth remains there's there's these things that are going to be here on earth. It's the law. There's seed. What's this word? Say it out loud. Say it loud. There's seed, time and harvest. Cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night, and they shall not cease. They'll always be there. So I think most of us in this room are cool with the fact that you got to plant something and then things will grow. And we can harvest it. It's that middle word that we don't love. What's that middle word? Time. Now listen, y'all got to get this. Depending on what you want to see back in your life, with the measure, with the idea, depending on what you want to see back, you got to be patient. It takes time. So listen, here's the deal. If you want in your life, if you want to grow mushrooms in your home, 
I'm not talking about drugs, mushrooms. Some of y'all are crackheads. I can just tell. Jesus, take the wheel. If you want, if you want, if you want something to come back quick, then those things will pop up tomorrow. If you if you go tonight, why? Because there's no roots to them. They don't have. They don't have. They're not fruitful. They they reproduce junk. If I want weeds to come up, how many of y'all know that I don't have to pray for weeds in my life? They just boom, boom, and they're quick. The problem with people like me, the problem with us, is we want to see an immediate return on investment and not a slow, steady, stable return on investment. So we gamble, and we hope, and we throw up a prayer, and then we say, God, I've, I've got a bucket out today. I've loved my spouse this much, but we're not willing to do what it takes because it takes, say the word, time. Here's the truth. When I'm in my office, this is what people say to me. This is why I think the love there is dangerous because in 21 days you fix everything. And I know that's not the truth, but that's, that's what it can lead you to believe. But the reality is if you've got 25 years of crap and all of a sudden you're like, my bad. I feel real bad. Holy Ghost changed me. Well, he will. I'm not, I'm not making light of that. But you can't ask her to trust you if you've sown discord and hate, mistrust, unfaithfulness for 25 years. And then all of a sudden you're like, you should fully trust me. What's wrong with her? She should forgive. Forgive and it'll be forgiven to you. Well, I'm good at pointing out what you can't do. I'm just not good at time. Here's what I hear a lot. Y'all forgive me. I got to get my sweat rag because the Shekinah glory is coming off of me. Here's Here's what I hear all the time. Preacher. I was, I was trying with my wife a little bit. I really wanted her to feel loved and all that, whatever mess you said. So I tried it for a week. <laughs> You're kidding. It didn't work. That is shocking. She's dealt with craziness for 20 years, and, all, and, and you didn't have an immediate return on your investment because it took time. And if I don't like what I'm in, but then I look and go, okay, God, I'm willing to give this a shot, but I'm only willing to give it a week or two. I shouldn't even start. Why? Because I'm going to get back over time. It takes seasons. Every season is not harvest season. Did y'all know that? If we walk out today and try to reap a big harvest in the fields, (laughs) crickets, it's not there. Why? It's cold. But that doesn't mean that we can't be storing up to plant because it's almost planting season. And if I'm just letting the seeds go down the wayside and not worrying about what I sow into, then I, am not, then I should not ever worry when harvest season comes. Why? Because I cannot expect the harvest that I didn't plant and wait for time to do what it does. We're never responsible for harvest, but we are for planting and to watering and to doing all the right things in our homes and in our lives. And when it comes to the culture of our homes, in the dry season, I think of Joseph, who had the dream in the the Old Testament in Genesis, who had the dream that there's going to be a famine season. And for three and a half years, you're not going to have much, but because he listened to God and he stored up in the storehouses all that grain and all that stuff in the driest seasons he was able to still pull from. And I feel like in our lives, if we just do what he, he would do, realizing that people have bad days and they need places that they can pull from, but if I don't fill up the storehouse with the good seed and the good fruit that God has for me, then I'm going to get mad at them when I'm dry. 
but it's not your responsibility to bless me. It's not your responsibility to fill my life. It's only the Lord's. And when I don't let him because I feel this receptacle with anything and everything but him, then I can get mad at God all I want to or I can play, excuse me, pray too, for abundance. But most of the time in my life, I'm reaping what I've sown. Look what Galatians says. Do not be deceived. God can't be mocked. We reap what we sow. Let us not grow weary in doing good. For what season? Say it out loud. What season? When is it due season, Mark? I don't know. It depends on what God's called you to. Y'all better listen to this because I'm, I'm speaking to somebody right now. I don't know what God's called you to. I don't know if God's called you to what seems to be a small calling because there's no such thing as that if God's in it. Or to something that's abundantly huge, way bigger than you can imagine. But I need you to picture yourself in what you really are because you are a seed with the ability to reproduce many seeds. But unless a seed dies, it can never live again. And so unless I die every single day to myself, for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. I'm crucified with Christ, so I no, no longer live. And it's the idea of surrender every single day. Unless I do that, I shouldn't get mad that my legacy, because I don't know if y'all care about this. I don't know if you ever think about it. If you're a teenager, you may never even consider the fact that you're leaving a legacy right now, and the seed that you're sowing today will matter tomorrow. And when we get, start getting gray hair in our lives, we start looking going, I've now got children, and someday I'll have children's children. And someday I'll leave a legacy, and I may not leave billions of dollars behind. Because a good man leaves an inheritance for his children and his children's children, but I believe that that's not just money, y'all. I believe it's the legacy of what I've sown into. And I either leave a forest, y'all better listen, because I've let time do what it does and I've let an acorn sit and germinate and take the time that it needs to take and over time cultivate and I see trees popping up left and right, two of which are Haston and Laney Pangle. Or I'll look and say, figure it out, talk to your mother. Can I tell y'all something? Some days I feel like doing that. And then I just look and say, I hope they turn out to be good. Listen, we raise human beings. We train up a child in the way he or she should go, but the reality is they're human and they're going to make mistakes. But I can't get mad at what I sow if I've sown in what they've seen and not just what they've heard their whole lives, which is, which is this chaotic relationship at home and then I'm like, don't ever do that. Well, what do you think? I mean, people tell me all the time, are you worried about what your kids are going to do? And I'm like, nah, so far? It's incredible the difference. Because I, I knew me. <laughs> Buck wild. I got people in this room that should be saying amen right now because you were with me. So when they mess up, am I going to be like, oh, Jesus, where did this come from? Nope, it came from me. But I also believe that he gave me the seeds of life to sow and see a difference because of Christ Jesus in us. And I don't know about you, but I want to see, I want to leave a legacy that lasts. I want to sow kingdom seeds that last, that matter. But it takes time. And if we constantly focus on what we're not seeing because we want to see a harvest, we want to see a harvest, we want to see a harvest, then we don't really believe God. We might believe about God, but we don't believe God because ultimately what we're saying is, 
God, I gave you due season, but I get to decide how long that is. I need y'all to know this. You reap a different time than you sow. You reap a different season than you sow. And depending on what you're sowing or depending on what you're believing God for, sometimes it takes years. And if you're building back trust, it takes years. And if you're building into the kingdom, it takes years. So you get to decide, is it worth it? But I don't know about you, but for me, it's worth it. And I'm in. And I'm all in. And I, and I believe that God's going to do more than we can ask or imagine because of the fourth principle, which is the most important one, the law of grace. Someone say grace. The blessing. <laughs> Some of y'all will know later grace this is the one that I'm probably I probably struggle with this one the most because I'm so matter of fact I see things very cut and dry but God does not he's faithful and if I'm not able to see your needs because can we just be real in here I'm just telling you this is the truth whether you want to admit it and get behind me or not most of the time when we're frustrated at the culture that we have created or the culture that we're living in, we immediately look and say, I don't like it because they aren't doing what I thought they should. Does anybody else agree in this room? But I've missed the whole boat when, I, when that's the case because I've missed the fact that I didn't see what they need. Therefore, all I can do is point out what they aren't doing for me. And if I, if I do that, then the more I say it and the more I see it, the more frustrated I'll get. And I'll start telling God, it should be due season by now. Why is it not happening? Why is it not happening? Why is it not happening? If I'm not champion, if I'm not the champion of the culture that God called me to, then I can get mad at you all I want to, but it's a me problem. And I will constantly look at what everybody else is doing, never doing what God actually called me to do, which is to leverage what I can do so that you, your needs can be met and he'll do it through me. How does God work through us? A lot of times it's that. Look at what 2 Corinthians 9 says. The point is this, if we, if we reap, or if we sow sparingly, we'll reap sparingly and sow bountifully, we'll reap bountifully. Each one must give as he or she has decided in their heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion for God loves a cheerful giver. And I love this, we put it on our offering envelopes and I believe it works for money, but, but listen to me. Every person in the room when it comes to relationships, this is why you find yourself in the place that you find yourself in. Because we sow sparingly and we reap sparingly. And this is the point. God is able. Someone say God is. Come on, say it like you mean it. Say God is. God is able. God is able. Not Mark is able. Not any of you are able. But God is able to make grace abound to you. But notice it doesn't say some grace. How much grace does it say? He makes all grace abound. All grace abounds so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, I may abound in every good work. What does that mean? It means that whatever I need, he is able to supply it to me when I need it. So if I keep seed in my pocket or if I keep this in my mouth, you're like, what should I be saying? Whatever you'd say at their funeral is what you should say today. I don't know why we keep our mouth shut until somebody dies. Why don't we tell them right now? 
Why don't we tell the people that we love how much we love them and sow into the good things that they have? Why don't we begin to build into what they've got? Why does it matter, Mark? Because I have needs. I have deep, deep needs. And if I look to you to fill my needs, when the one that's sufficient, the only one that's sufficient to fill my needs, I'll constantly get mad at them for not filling what only him can fill. He is able to do exceedingly and abundantly more than I can ask or imagine. Why? Because he's the supplier of seed. And he's the one that gives all grace. Y'all got to know this. I got to give a little background. I didn't do this in the last service, but y'all are getting a little bonus. This group of people was crazy. This is the Macedonian church that Paul's talking to saying, that church is rich, but they don't give nothing. But y'all give whatever you've got. Y'all better listen to what I'm telling you. They weren't rich. But they gave so much, he was able to have every one of his needs supplied through them. So this is what Paul said back. You know what I know for sure? Some of y'all have great needs. I mean, like you're hurting so deeply. And you gave financially, but what's coming back to you isn't a financial blessing, it's a grace blessing. Because God supplies what you need. God supplies what you need. God supplies what you need. And if you believe pastors who say if you give a hundred, you'll get back a thousand, and that's always the case, they're lying to you. What you get back is what you need. And when I don't work the system, when I don't work, what, what Paul was actually doing here was, call, was passive aggressively calling out the Corinthian church. Because he was saying, These, this group of people, they did this, but y'all are just watching them do it. Because what should have happened is the Corinthian church should have been giving to the Macedonian church, but, in, but instead they were actually having to borrow from the poor people. Why? Because they believed God's principles work and they knew that every one of their needs would be supplied if they just give out of the abundance of what they had. And when I give what I have and I offer myself a living sacrifice, first to him, but watch this, to the people that I'm tied to, I can leverage myself in different ways. What do you mean different ways? When someone needs a little bit of grace and a little bit of hope, and a little bit of love and a little bit of peace instead of sowing into the gossip I can offer them peace notice I'm not saying one time how we call people out do y'all hear what I'm saying I'm talking about lifting people up I'm talking about helping people when they need help so desperately but not being the, the miracle worker or the promise keeper just being faithful with the little bit that God puts in my hands how do I know I'm being faithful? Check your mouth. Because the one thing that I know all of us have is the ability to open this up and talk. And when I'm sowing things that I wouldn't want to come back to me, I should shut my mouth. Why? Because I've not taken them into consideration at all in my life when I'm calling them. I have no idea what they are going through. So rather than be a moron like I am so much in my life, I should take a pause and say, God, this is what I need and this is what I've sown. So have grace on me, Lord Jesus. And help me begin, do what time needs to be done. Sow the right things. Y'all, I believe so much in the culture of honor. Let me use the other hand so it doesn't look like I'm trying to flex my muscle. I believe so much in the culture of honor, I tatted it on my arm twice, but that does not mean that I do what this means. It means weight, worth, and value. And if I don't see you in the same valuable receptacle of Christ that, that you actually are, and I begin to tear you down because you're not what I thought you should be for me, I can get it tatted all over my body and it doesn't mean anything. Because I don't so honor just because I know honor. I so honor because I speak it and I live it and I do it every single day of my life.
And if I do, then the things that are on the wall out there can actually be what we are and not just what we hope to be. It means nothing if I have a goal and I don't go do it. Because God is not a God that's a respecter of persons. He's a respecter of his principles. And those who love it eat its fruit. This is what it means. I'm going to close. I reap what I need when I sow what others need. I reap what I need when I sow out of what I have to give. I reap what I need from the Lord when I don't look at what you should give me and I trust that he'll provide it. And y'all, I wish I had time, but it shows up in ways that you cannot imagine. It shows up through people that you can't imagine. Why? Because he's the provider of seed and he'll get it to you by any means necessary. But here's what I wanted to show you when it comes to relationships, and I'll do this quickly. I'm going to preach this in this series, so y'all just have to come back. But here's an example of why it's so frustrating to live under grace. Because y'all know the people that say, well, we live under grace, so we don't have to give. I, we've, we've all heard that before. If, if, you're, if you grew up in church, we're not under the law anymore. We're under grace. How many of y'all know that grace is harder? Like Jesus didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. So it's harder to live under grace if you want to live by his principles because he raised the bar. This is what every man needs and every woman needs. This is not an opinion. This is from the Bible. This is what we need. And I'll pull it. I'll give you the references down the road. But every man has this inner desire to receive honor and respect. So what do we naturally try to do? We try to give the same thing that we need. And that's not giving what my wife needs if I'm married she needs security more than she needs honor and respect. So if I don't provide her security and she feels unsafe, but I say, well, I honored you. I got you flowers. <laughs> You're welcome. Then I'm not leveraging me and I'm frustrated for her not providing for me and vice versa, by the way. A man needs sex and a woman needs affection. Y'all better get this one because I'm going to hit it more in a couple weeks. I'm going to hit this principle more in a couple weeks, but y'all got to get this. We do this all the time, and y'all don't have to agree with me. I just know I'm right, so y'all can just not amen if you don't want to because you're nervous because you're with your spouse. What do I say to Leah if I need this? I need, say it out loud, don't be embarrassed. It don't work. Why? Because if I actually cared a dang thing about her, I would give her, this, this should say, I didn't have enough room to put it on the slide, soft, non-sexual affection which means my ulterior motive is not that eventually I can score. I know you can't say it, but I'm saying it, so just be real. And if the only reason that I'm cuddling with my wife or giving her the affection that she needs is so maybe I can get some, I'm going to reap what I sow. And I'm going to get mad that I'm not sowing. Come on, somebody. And the same goes back, by the way, ladies. Can I just tell you all the truth? Some days you ain't going to feel like it, but some days you need to. Why? So you can reap what you sow. I wish I had time. I'd preach right now. I will have time, just not today. This one's a big one, y'all. Companionship and communication. Men, I believe, down deep, think that it's a woman that needs companionship, but I can promise you biblically, I can tell you, I'm much more needy within my wife when it comes to companionship. If you've ever wondered, y'all have, but I'm about to preach to y'all right now. If you've ever wondered why does it seem like men have an easier time having buddies, it's because we're naturally built to have buddies. And y'all are naturally built to be the last rib. Come on, somebody. 
I'm not, this isn't an argument that everybody should be married. If y'all believe that, go watch last week when I talked about singles better. But what this does, I'm telling you, men deeply need companionship. It's not good for man to be alone. It does not say it's not good for woman to be alone. So we have the Holy Spirit, and so do you, but we have woman as well because we deeply need it. But I'm going to tell you what a woman needs, and we ain't good at it. If I want companionship, but I won't listen to my wife talk for 30 minutes about her day because she drives me crazy, oh, oh. Or can we be honest? This is what we do wrong. This is what I do wrong. I can't speak for y'all. I just want to fix it so I don't have to hear it anymore. How many of y'all know she don't want you to fix her? She just wants you to shut up and listen. Why does this matter? Let me hit the last one. Support and leadership. I know in today's society, you're not supposed to tell what the Bible says. You're supposed to tell what culture says. But I don't give, let me look in the camera. I don't give a rat's behind what the culture says. We got a better culture coming. So cancel culture and all the rest of the cultures. I love you, but we don't care. Because a woman needs to be led. That does not mean ruled. I lead side by side in partnership. But I need support and a woman needs leadership. And if I'm not, watch, I said all these because I'm going to hit them a lot in the next six weeks. But if, I, but if I miss these when it comes to grace, what I end up doing, y'all just be real with me right now. Here's what I do. Hey, I need to be honored. I need sex. I need companionship. I need support. And we probably wouldn't word them that way. We would just point out what we feel like we're not getting because we say things like this. You always put the kids' knees over mine. Wrong with you. And it's true sometimes. I'm not saying that they're not human. I'm saying they're for real human. But what I can control, what Mark Pangle is capable of controlling is not to tear her down but to build her up and realize there's a reason that she's not giving me what I want, it's probably because I've not given her what she needs. And the more I point out what she's not giving me, the bigger it drives the stake, not builds grace. So how do I operate this way? I never forget to remember the goodness of God in my life. I never forget to, to, to think about the song that Emma led us in, that the cross is what I should be boasting in. That if I, listen, God has reminded me of this every day this past week. If I never get another good thing from God, I've already gotten too much already. That it's unbelievable what God did for me. By becoming my sin so that I could become his righteousness. He leveraged himself, giving over his own son so that I could be life in his name. But guess what? He doesn't stop there. He gives me exactly what I need when I open myself up and die to myself every day and say, I don't know how I'm going to accomplish this. Well, I never called you to accomplish that, Mark. I just called you to receive from me the grace that I can give you. Nobody else can supply my needs like Jesus. And until I see that, I'll constantly look at yours and say, why aren't you supplying it? And it is a crazy mess of frustration until I realize I was never built to be a ping pong table type relationship. I can't be the culture carrier and the culture creator if I'm constantly seeing all that you're not. I'm only able to be the culture leader, creator, and man or woman that God called me to be when I'm the first thing that I see that needs to change and when Christ is the one that I really want to receive from. 
when the only thing that I can ask of him is, what would you like for me to give of myself today? How can I leverage me to build them up? How can I change the world that you've called me to for your name's sake? Because I know no matter how much of me I pour out, you'll give back more, shaking, running over, because I can't outgive you when it comes to all of that. And it changes the game. But until I realize that's how it works, I'll constantly be frustrated. And my due season will be the funk season. My due season will be the frustration season. My due season will never be reaping the harvest that I should be reaping. That's a legacy that lasts because I've been faithful. Someone say faithful. That's really what it all boils down to, faithfulness. You say, Mark, I'm frustrated because I hear what you're saying, but I don't know what to do. Y'all look at me. This is where I talked about the love there for a second, but I'm, I'm done, I promise you. I just got to tell you this. Be realistic. Be realistic and start. 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 And do not put unrealistic expectations on the Lord Jesus for what time has to do. He will work miracles. He can break chains. But in relationships, there is things that take time. Do not get mad at them for not believing the miracle happened right when it happened. Some things, scales have to fall off their eyes for them to see what you've done. So let it happen. And let it happen in you. God, I'm so thankful for the grace that you've shown me. God, I do not deserve it. What I honestly deserve is... <laughs> I deserve to live in the culture that I created as a kid and as a young adult and in the last year in times of frustration, in times of doubt, in times of uncertainty. But I'm so grateful that God, through grace, when we submit ourselves to you fully, you're able to take what time should take and do miracles. God, I believe what the Bible says. And I believe you can take the time that we've wasted or feel like we've wasted and you can you can redeem it all and restore it all and from this day forward Jesus from this day forward we can begin to create the culture of the kingdom everywhere we live work and play so that no matter what the cancel culture or the outside culture or anybody else wants to do we know we live in you and have a culture that is far greater. We're not going to focus our attention on what they're not. We're going to focus our attention on what you are. And through love and grace and mercy that you've given us first, we're going to sow it back and let you do more than we can ask or think. So God, do it in us. Do it through us. And may heaven come to earth in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Y'all stand and sing with us.